BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ever thought about owning a piece of history? Introducing the Newt Gingrich contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition silver coin celebrates the historic Republican victory in 1994, marking a turning point in American politics. Give a gift with real historical weight this season. Order now at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. On this episode of Newt's World, in August of 2021, America ended its longest war. As the world watched the shocking scene at the Kabul airport, Marine Major Tom Schumann fought both behind the scenes and through a social media campaign to get his friend and former Afghan interpreter Zach out of Afghanistan before he and his family were discovered by the Taliban. In their new memoir, Always Faithful, a story of the war in Afghanistan, the fall of Kabul, and the unshakable bond between a Marine and an interpreter, Tom and Zach tell the story of how they came together in Afghanistan's deadly Helmand Valley, where they formed a brotherhood, eventually culminating in Zach's harrowing 11th hour rescue. Here to talk about their 360 view of the war in Afghanistan, I am really pleased to welcome my guests, Major Tom Schumann and Zaniula Zach Zaki. Tom and Zach, thank you both for joining me on Newt's World. Thanks for having us, sir. You know, it's hard to believe it's almost been one year since the United States withdrew from Afghanistan. The anniversary is considered August 30th, when the last U.S. military plane left the Kabul airport. Tom, where were you when we began to see the way the withdrawal was being handled, and what was your reaction to it? I was at the Naval Academy for about a few weeks of the withdrawal, and then I reported to the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island is really where I spent the bulk of that time coordinating the evacuation efforts during the collapse. So let me go back to the beginning. Zach, what was it like growing up in Afghanistan under Taliban rule? Life going in Afghanistan under Taliban rule, that was 
very, very frustrating and very hard life for the Afghan people because no good schools, no very well opportunities for the girls' schools, and they has only madrasas which teach only Islamic lessons, and we didn't have opportunity to get like new education like technology and other stuff which is in this time we need it and it was very very hard life well you know you were 11 years old when you heard about 9-11 what was the general feeling of people around you when they heard that the world trade center had been destroyed when i was little my father had a radio like this is a, a news radio we just tell the news like audio news. We didn't have TV on that time. No TVs nowhere and just only radios. We just, uh, my father listened to it and they tell us the story about 9-11 and the Trade Center in New York, United States. And they said tourists just hate that uh, towers, that the were Trade Centers. And some of people, you know, from the outside of a village, like very far suburban areas. They feel good, they like it, so they just collapsed Impedal's Trade Center. But some of the people, they were mad because they're homian, you know, they kill people, and that's very bad. We feel very bad. We went to school in the morning and there was some shops, they had TVs. We just stopped by and we saw that video. I was very little. I was in elementary school. I saw people just running around the streets, bloody, injured. People just jump out of that building. On that time, I feel very bad. And some of my classmates and friends, which we go together to the school, and almost people, you know, almost we cried. We said, that's home, you know. And they're jumping very high, very, very high level of the apartments and the building. And that was very bad moments as a homian, you know, for me. So I have to ask, Tom, you were 15 when 9-11 happened. What was your reaction as a teenager? I was confused. It was an age of innocence, really, a little bit of an age of ignorance as well. I didn't know anybody wanted to do America harm. I'd never heard of a terrorist organization. And so really just kind of confused at first, a little bit scared. But I thought, wait, there's people out there that don't like this country. And that was kind of the first revelation of that. So, Zach, I'm curious, when did you see your first Americans? It was 2001 when the Americans just come to Afghanistan and there was a call Pop Wright and they landed there and before the pop right they called Tupchi base and the Russian married the camp and when they landed we saw the helicopters we just climbed to the mount and see the helicopter landed and they were landed in the night and people said something come in the morning in the night and they landed there maybe helicopters planes and who they are and all people just wondering and to see who they are. In the morning when, when I come out of my home, we are just leaving the mound and we have a stream in front of our house 
and we just come out by the stream and watch the road. We saw some conways with a Humvee and soldier on it. That was very different to us because we didn't saw people with a helmet, body armor, and different uniform. Because in Taliban rule, they had just regular Afghani clothes on it and gun and this stuff, you know, the turbans. And when we saw that, that was different to us, very different. When the Americans arrived, I gather that the school, the whole education process really changed. How was it different for you as a student once the Taliban was gone? Yeah, that was very, very different for us, for all Afghans, because when the Americans came, they built, like, very nice schools. They had a cheer before in the Americans. Uh, we had just a rag on the ground, and we sat on it. They had cheers, tables, and books, new books, like, Everything was perfect. We like it, and the, we were happy about that. They made it a school for the kids, for the girls. We had college. We have a university in our province. That was very, very happy moment for me to see about about these things about education. While you were learning at school, you were also getting to meet Americans. What was your relationship with American soldiers like when you were young? When I was young and I was at school, and as I tell you about the pub that's next to our house, and at first we scared from the American soldiers, American troops, because we didn't see before people like that. And slowly we just familiar with them, and we make relationship. We go to the pub and help them out carry bags like to the OPs and whatever American needs, they pay us and they give us money to go get me some food, give me whatever they need. We just help them out, learning our English. And that was all help. We did it from the beginning, which Americans just come to Afghanistan. Thomas, while that's all happening, you were an unlikely candidate for the Marine Corps. What was your journey to becoming a Marine like? Yeah, I, I definitely didn't grow up, you know, watching G.I. Joe or have any Marine posters up on my wall. I just knew that the conclusion of that day on September 11th, that I was going to do something about that. I didn't know what that would look like. And by the end of high school, I had felt a, not only a calling because of 9-11, but also because my mom, who she's a sh Chicago cop, a uh, single mom, all her service and sacrifice to afford my sister and I opportunities that she never had for herself. I thought, you know, that's something that's pretty special and it's something that people have to pay into. And if everybody just takes from that, you know, that's like a bank, someone's got to make a deposit. And I felt like I had a civic duty to pay into that. And so, but I also, it was important for me to go to college, to be the first person in my family to go to college. And so I did ROTC and initially I thought maybe I'd be a lawyer, a Navy lawyer that quickly realized maybe the Navy wasn't for me. And I found the standards of the Marine Corps, they attracted me, the high standards, the challenge, the discipline. And that was kind of the little nascent phase of how I started my journey towards being a Marine. What college did you go to? Loyola in Chicago. Okay. Which is a downtown school, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. It was a pretty famous one. I'm curious, given your mother's background, she's a policeman in a tough city, 
Why is she so adamantly against you joining the military? Her profession is a little bit misleading in that I don't think it was what she grew up wanting to be. I think she did it because she had me when she was 19 and then she had my sister a few years later. And so she had two kids to feed and take care of and she needed a secure job with health insurance. And so, you know, I, I think she was always kind of a more of a hippie type lady. And again, we didn't really have a family history of service. And so she had two rules, don't join the military and don't get a motorcycle, which I broke both. That's wild. So just sort of a recruiting moment here. How did you find the Marine Corps? When you look back, to what degree did the Marine Corps grow you as a person? It was kind of a discovery by trial and error for me in the Marine Corps. It was, I showed up to the little boot camp week up at Great Lakes Naval Base and I thought, man, those guys look sharp. I want to be like those guys. And then I got to the basic school where all officers do their initial training and I saw the infantry officers and I thought, man, those guys look sharp. Like that's the standard that I want. And it wasn't until I was actually in my infantry officer course that I finally said, this was all speculative and hypothesis, but during this infantry officer course, we we're out there in the woods shooting machine guns, running wild. I said, this is actually what I've been called to do. And I finally kind of felt home in a place where I belonged. And so from there, it was out of the gates and running after infantry officer's course. So, Zach, well, Thomas is discovering himself in the Marine Corps. Why did you decide to help the Americans? Yeah, as I tell you, I tried to learn English when the Americans just come to Afghanistan. And when I saw them, they distribute books, pens, notebooks to the kids on the roads, on the street, when they go to the patrols. And when we go to the pubs, they give us pens, they give us books, they give us notebooks for the school. So that's why I decided to go and help them out and also for rebuilding our country to serve for my country. And I like to work with them. And that's why I chose that way to go to join Marines or Army, the U.S. forces and for a bright Afghanistan and also debate the terrorism and in the world, especially. So while you're starting to work with the Americans, how did you two meet and what was your first impression of each other? Zach decided that the bid for success for Afghanistan was to partner an ally with the U.S. And so that's how he kind of he started his process there to being an interpreter. And we linked up on the deck in Helmand Province. And I had had a couple interpreters quit because it was so dangerous that they said, we're not going to do this anymore. And then I had a couple other interpreters who either didn't speak English or didn't speak the local dialect of Pashtu. So I was in a tough spot. And then I see Zach show up on one of my patrols and he looks fit and he looks healthy and strong and his English was great. And right away, we kind of hit it off. And, you know, initially it was he is competent and proficient at his duties as an interpreter, but quickly it became apparent that there was a lot more to Zach than just being able to translate. Well, Zach, I mean, part of this interpreter thing people forget is, I mean, you're out there in the middle of a firefight and you're with a combat unit. So what was your first time in combat like? You hadn't gone through the basic course. You weren't trained to be in the middle of firefights. Before this job, when I go to Sangin and join 3-5, I spent like seven months with the Army in a very dangerous place called Kwangawali in Kunar province. 
we spent seven months it's all just war and attacks and ambushes i saw what's gonna happen in the war when i joined and go to my team first platoon to the hellman i was familiar with with the war stuff you know afghanistan all over and the country there was war going on and when i joined it i go to my first patrol that was kind of different place because these are dirt and a lot of ids and my team helped me out and they showed me everything what to do and at the first patrol when i go i go out and we just come under the enemy ambush i was just stuck i don't know what to do but one of our medic he just called me and just lay down man i was staying i was frozen like a frozen body because that was different place and it was very hard but we want to work and serve for our country that's why we i accept that risk on me so thomas i mean here you are with a brand new guy who has not been through any Marine Corps courses, but now he's, in effect, a Marine. He's right there in the middle of your unit. He's in danger like everybody else. When you look back on that, what's your feeling, and how do you think about that period of watching him get used to combat? Yeah, like you said, he, you know, he was initially frozen, and often we would maneuver on the enemy, and then we'd lose our interpreters. They would be laying and hiding somewhere and we had to kind of go back and clear and find them. And it kind of became this liability. But Zach, I think he's underselling himself. He pretty quickly adapted to how we fought and how we maneuvered in that battle space. And he was right there with us. And whether that was he spoiled some Taliban ambushes by monitoring their radios and taking personal action himself to stop that ambush from starting or when I would have casualties and he would pick up the rifle of the casualty and hold security. So he quickly went from a transactional guy who translates to a guy who's one of the Marines in the platoon. Hi, this is Newt. We have serious decisions to make about the future of our country. Americans must confront big government socialism, which has taken over the modern Democratic Party, big business, news media, entertainment, and academia. My new best-selling book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future, offers strategies and insights for everyday citizens to save America's future and ensure it remains the greatest nation on earth. Here's a special offer for my podcast listeners. You can order an autographed copy of my new book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, right now at Gingrich360.com slash book, and we'll ship it directly to you. Don't miss out on this special offer. It's only available for a limited time. Go to Gingrich360.com slash book to order your copy now. Order it today at Gingrich360.com slash book. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Throughout history, there are clear moments that define our nation's path, and now you can own a piece of that history. I'm thrilled to announce the Newt Gingrich contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition. One-ounce silver coin commemorates the historic victory in 1994 when the Republican Party, under my leadership, took control of Congress. The Newt Gingrich contract with America coin also symbolizes the transformative political platform that led to landmark achievements like the overhaul of the welfare system and the Balanced Budget Act. This holiday season, give the gift of history. The Newt Gingrich contract with America coin is more than an investment it's a tribute to honest government and to America. Available to order right now by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. So, Zach, how did your life change after being an interpreter? Yeah, it changed my life very quick when I go to the translator job because I have translators, phone calls from the enemy, and they threaten me every time. They say they call me infidel because that's, I work with Americans. And they say whenever we caught you and we will cut your head up, and that's make my life more terrible and in danger. And I accept that everything, you know, as I said before, for my country, for our partner, U.S. troops, and also for the peace of the whole world. This changed my life very quick. After you left the first platoon, did you continue interpreting? Yeah, yeah. After I left first platoon, it was December 2011. After nine months, when my team left, their deployment ended. And I come back to my province and I had a recommendation later from my team. And the pub, which was next to our house, they hiring some laborers. 
And I go there, I thought maybe if I didn't get an interpreter job, I go to the laborers, I work as a construction. But when I show that later to one of the boss who was in charge of that base, and he saw that later and he said, oh, we really need you, you're an interpreter, you're not going to go to the laborers. But they said, come on, they just take me in and take that uh, recommendation later from me and they hire me as a laborer for the O&M interpreter for the laborers. And then I start my new job in December for two years with the uh, Special Forces or U.S. Army in my province. So while Zach was doing that, Thomas, you went back to the U.S. What was that like to go back to America? I always say it's good to come home. It's porcelain toilets, hot showers. You know, I eventually my beautiful wife, burritos out there in Southern California. It's a transition, of course. It's a stark transition between Helmand Province and Orange County, California, where I was stationed. But it's always good to come back and you come back with a much deeper gratitude having gone through all that adversity. And so there's a lot of reconciling and making meaning that's happening concurrently, but it's always good to be home. But I was back in Afghanistan 12 months later for a nine-month deployment. So you went back to Pendleton? Yes, sir. And then you went back to Afghanistan? Yes, sir. Had things changed much while you were gone? On my patrol out to my new base, we got blown up within about five minutes of me getting to the new base. The Afghan army soldiers had hit an IED and it was very familiar, the IDs and the gunfire, but the main difference was that we were really trying to hand over the lead to the Afghan forces. And so, whereas in 2010, it was very much the Marine unit out front doing the fighting, we were trying to do this advise and assist and put the Afghan army out front to take ownership of the situation. And did you find that was working or not working? Mostly not working. There were definitely some soldiers who were proud and competent and were ready to fight for their country. But often I found a overall kind of defeatist attitude that, hey, when you guys leave, the Taliban will just take over. And to me, it was really confusing because we'd been training them for over a decade. We'd still train them for another decade. We had invested so much. And I, you know, I just said it, it doesn't have to be that way. But many of these people didn't really have a coherent belief that of a country of Afghanistan. So when I said, hey, you want to, you got to fight for this country, it did not necessarily resonate with them. So they were more identified as tribal members than as Afghans? Most of the soldiers that I worked with, yes. Zach, in that context, when did you decide you wanted to come to America and why did you decide that? I decided when I quit job, when the American just withdrawal from our province, it was 2014. And I already had the threat leaders calling, phone calls. I thought I was going to be killed. And it was 2016 when I found my team at 3-5 on social media. And I keep contacting them. I find Major Tom and I tell him my life is in risk here. The enemy not going to leave me alive with my family. They're going to kill us. I had a lot of phone calls, a lot of threat letters from them. And we just started trying to apply for SIV, Special Immigration Visa. But in 2016, it is still in progress. But 
My case is denied in uh, 2021, March. Still just waiting for a special visa. You know, as I say, the the enemy didn't let me to be alive because I had done work with the U.S. forces. And that's why they don't want me to be alive. And that's why I decided to come to U.S. to rescue my life and my families and my kids. So you decided then to reach out to Thomas for help. Yeah, yeah. Tom, what did you think when Zach reaches out to you? I guess, was it on Facebook? Yeah, he sends me a message on Facebook and says, you know, sir, I'm trying to put together this package. I keep receiving these death threats. I've been persecuted. I can't work anymore. Can you help? And I looked at the criteria for the special immigration visa program. And to me, he clearly met that criteria. And I said, of course, happy to support. And so we spent about 12 months applying, putting that package together. And and this was about in 2016. And one thing after another, rejection. But the communication was always very ambiguous, like nothing ever specific or personal. Couldn't actually talk to a person, just generic blanket denials. So it was pretty tough. And after that first year, we were both pretty frustrated and kind of left it alone at that point. Why do you think it was so difficult? I don't want to be too speculative. I don't know if the program was ever designed to succeed. If it was, it didn't appear that way. It worked for a very select few, but ultimately it probably wasn't, if I had to assume, it was not funded or staffed properly or adequately in in any degree. And you've got to think you've got 20 years of war. You've got close to 100,000, over 100,000 people who are eligible for this program. And of course, you want to put some real scrutiny to the program. You know, you, you don't want any Taliban or, or Al-Qaeda to abuse that program, which they may have attempted to do. And so understanding that there's got to be some real rigor in this visa process. But ultimately, when you look at the images of Harmat Kaizai Airport, you look at all those people who were eligible for this program and they were left outside the gate. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.
There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Throughout history, there are clear moments that define our nation's path, and now you can own a piece of that history. I'm thrilled to announce the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition. One-ounce silver coin commemorates the historic victory in 1994 when the Republican Party, under my leadership, took control of Congress. The Newt Gingrich contract with America coin also symbolizes the transformative political platform that led to landmark achievements like the overhaul of the welfare system and the Balanced Budget Act. This holiday season, give the gift of history. The Newt Gingrich contract with America coin is more than an investment it's a tribute to honest government and to America. Available to order right now by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. When the thing began falling apart, apparently there was a serious effort to go in and actually focused and targeted on Zach and his family. How did that get organized? I mean, how do you put together a rescue team like that in the middle of the chaos that was going on? I had a friend who was a Marine officer pilot, and then he did an inter-service transfer to the Air Force. And when the president made the announcement that we would withdraw, he said he was going to be flying recovery missions. And I asked him is anybody going to tell the interpreters when to come to the airport or is anybody going to go get them from their provinces? And he said, if someone's not at the airport, they're not getting out of here. And because I asked Zach, what happens if the U.S. leaves Afghanistan? What's going to happen to you? He said, I will be dead. And so we had a real sense of urgency starting in April. And by last summer, everybody was following as province after province was collapsing. So we had to get Zach and his family from Kunar to Kabul. There were some really brave Marines standing the post there. So you had 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, and 1st Battalion, 8th Marines. And so I was able to get a point of contact from a company commander, a Marine captain, who was holding the security at the gate. And so our first two efforts to get Zach out, I tried to run that through him. And we just had a lot of friction and a lot of bad luck. And when Zach went to the gate the first time to meet this captain with his family, that's when the airport got rushed. That's where all those images of everybody running on the tarmac and climbing onto the planes and holding onto the wings. That's the same time Zach and his family showed up the first time. And so the Taliban, the Marines started to shoot at the crowds to kind of control the crowds. And his children saw people getting machine gunned and killed, you know, in their immediate vicinity. That was our first attempt, which was a failure. Our second attempt was a very similar episode. And then our third attempt, it was my friend Jared, the Air Force pilot, who through his own initiative and took a lot of risk, he jumped the gate, was able to locate Zach in a sea of people. And it was extremely harrowing. And they're pressed up against the Taliban. And he went in there and swooped that family up with some help from other Air Force PJs. So, Zach, how did it feel as you are getting into, as I understand it, you're finally allowed into the airport by a large American 
with a tattoo on his forearm of an angel embracing the world and the words that others may live. I mean, that's almost like a movie scene. Yeah, it was very, very small moment on that time, you know. When I get there to the airport to find the people and contact them so we can get out of here and rescue our lives, my family life. And that was very, very worst moment in my life. I didn't saw before like collapsing a country. And that was very sad moment just when I reminded it. Make me cry, you know. And when I get there, and the, some of the SEAL team guys, as uh, Major Tom mentioned it, the Jared guys and the other his friend and his teammate come in to pick up in, and they call me Zach from the rooftop. And that was a very happy moment for me. When I heard Zach from them, and that we are rescued and I get more happier. And then they take us in and tell us they're gonna, are you guys gonna go to the plane and your flight is to Qatar. You're gonna stay there for a little while and go to US. That was a very happy moment for me in my life. As I understand it, you now, you and your family settled near Cousins in San Antonio? Yes, sir. Yes, San Antonio. But I also believe that your most recent visa application was rejected? Yes, sir. So what are your circumstances right now? I cannot do nothing about it. This is all belongs to the U.S. government, and we hope the U.S. government to help us out. So we sacrifice ourselves, our family. We lost our country. We cannot go there. If we are go back there... My family and me not going to be alive. I want the president and all the United States government to help us out or give us the citizenship or keep us here. We keep rescued ourselves and stay here in the United States. Thomas, not to put you on the spot, but how do you think through the current situation where You can have a million people come in illegally, but somebody who has literally risked their lives trying to help America keeps getting stiffed by the State Department. Maybe I'm missing something. It just seems to me that the gap in those two experiences is astonishing. I'm not going to venture to juxtapose those two experiences. What we can talk about specifically is the special immigration visa. It's very clear what the eligibility criteria is. And Zach overwhelmingly meets that criteria. It's not ambiguous. It's black and white. It's a contract. And undoubtedly, Zach has upheld his end of that bargain. We have all the supporting documents to represent that and depict that. And we as a nation have to keep our promises when we sign a contract with somebody who's risked their life to support us. We've got to honor that contract. So does anybody at stake give you any explanation of If it's that clear and that clearly meets it, why are they turning it down? You receive, again, a very general rejection letter that says that we need to see more documentation. And so we provide the supplement documentation that we think they're referring to. 
we appealed last March after the last rejection and haven't heard anything since. Has any member of Congress taken up this cause? Bipartisan support from both parties. It was really incredible. Senator Tom Cotton, Durbin, I mean, you name it, congressmen from both sides of the aisle really threw their weight behind. And that's why it was these false summits, because when you see these senior members of Congress supporting this, you think, okay, we're going to get somewhere with this. And then it seemed that even these people in the highest level of government couldn't move the needle on this. No, it's astonishing. The bureaucracy owns its own territory and is very hard to move. Listen, Tom and Zach, I want to thank you for joining me. I hope everybody who's heard this will call and let their congressman know that not just Zach, but a number of people who are faithful supporters of America, who we owe an opportunity to be in America because we know that they were very pro-American, actively pro-American, risked their lives for America. And if you have any doubt about it, you can read Tom and Zach's new book, Always Faithful, a story of the war in Afghanistan, the fall of Kabul, and the unshakable bond between a Marine and an interpreter. It's a compelling memoir. It's an intensely personal ground-level account of the war in Afghanistan as we approach the first anniversary of the U.S. withdrawal. I want to thank the two of you for serving the cause of freedom, and I want to thank you for sharing with the world this important book, and we'll do all we can to be helpful. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you to my guests, Major Tom Schumann and Zanula Zak Zaki. You can get a link to buy their new book, Always Faithful, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Ever thought about owning a piece of history? Introducing the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition silver coin celebrates the historic Republican victory in 1994, marking a turning point in American politics. 
give a gift with real historical weight this season. Order now at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 